And just like that, we are back on the attack. Can you feel it? Can you feel it, y'all? I'm saying y'all because my guest today is from the South. Y'all know this. Y'all reckon. Y'all going yonder. Y'all, uh, um, y'all fixing to do this. Y'all reckon fixing. I mean, I'm going to get them all out today. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Gerber Knives. You know how we feel about Gerber. We're actually going to be doing a live stream with Gerber. We have an awesome episode of Gerber coming up with Carson, their product development master. And we're going to get into how Gerber fits the essentials of being a duck hunter, a goose hunter, a waterfowl hunter, an American hunter, living that dream of the American hunter. It's essential to have a strong knife. And that's exactly what Gerber provides not just knives, but I'm talking everything from saws to hatchets to machetes to fixed blades to folding blades, everything that you need in a knife. I feel that it is very prideful to have the right knife on you in your pocket, in your truck, in your boat, in your blind bag. It doesn't matter. We take pride in our knives as men, as women of America. We know we have to stay sharp and that's what Gerber allows us to do. So we're proud and humbled to be part of the Gerber revolution, the Gerber family built in Oregon, built in America, made in America. Thank you, Gerber, for everything you do. Today's episode of the Fat Life Podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Jargon Game Calls, Arkansas, Northeast Arkansas, where the duck country starts in Arkansas before it funnels down to the Grand Prairie around Stuttgart, where Max Prairie Wings is. Jargon Game Calls, the small talk, the icebreaker, the loudmouth, the new chit chat. We got two new calls getting ready to launch this week. They will probably be launched by the time you hear this with your pretty little ears, your your delicate little ears that you're hearing this. Hopefully your ears are attuned to hearing duck calling that's exactly what you're going to hear at jargongamecalls.com on Instagram at jargongamecalls. Check out their calls. They've taken the duck hunting world by storm and we truly believe in them. Today's guest of the Foul Life Podcast is the master designer, the co-founder of Jargon Game Calls. You've heard him here before. You spell his name C-I-F-R-E-O Cifrio. His friends call him Chris. His wife calls him Christopher when she's really pissed off at him, but Ashley doesn't get that way very often. Chris, welcome back to the podcast, my man. Hey, how you doing, man? How's everything in Nevada? Nevada. Oh, look at that. Said it right. <laughs> Man, I'm uh, I'm loving it. I'm quarantined. We're, we're knocking work out. We're having a lot of conference calls, a lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of Zoom podcasts. And I just had a great podcast with my good buddy, Adam Hood in Alabama, who's a singer-songwriter, who I'd like you, when we get off this podcast, to go download his music on iTunes and listen to his songs with he's good he writes with brent cobb and drake and stapleton and leanne womack and leith lofton and just another dude that his music needs to be out there and that's what we continue to do so hopefully his music is something that'll make you and ashley's day better because it's strong but um the series that we're doing here is the essentials of duck hunting we started with some outfitters uh, Rock Merlo, John David Stanley, and how important these essentials are. What is essential to their business success, consistency and success for their clients to have great experiences. And that doesn't always include a kill. And that's why the essentials are important because as an outfitter, and you'll agree with this, Chris, if you don't cover the essentials and do the little things and then failure happens, then you're going to get picked apart. But if you do everything right and don't cut corners and not pull the wool over anybody's eyes and scout hard, build awesome blinds, hide from the ducks, sound like the ducks, look 
like the ducks, make your guests and clients comfortable. You know, all of that goes into that experience. So we started with outfitters and then we went to the gun and Benelli, the ammo and federal black cloud. We went to the camouflage and concealment with real tree. We did the decoys with greenhead gear and, and the clothing with banded. We're talking knives with Gerber optics for scouting with vortex. We're talking Traeger and recipes with Remy Warren. So we're covering that entire encompassing lifestyle, right? And calling the vocalizations, the jargon of the mallard duck or the puddle duck or the diver duck, if you will, if you're hunting those, you got to be crazy to hunt those. Um, but if you are wanting to be, a, you know, have all of the essentials cover covered, we talk about Arkansas where you live and hunt all the time, how audio is so important. Calling and vocalizations is so important. But everywhere in the country, no matter where you're hunting, Chris, to, to look like ducks and sound like ducks is key, especially if you're a perfectionist and you want that hunt to come full circle. So I wanted to touch today on your thoughts on calling as a whole, the duck call as a whole, the mindset of a duck caller as a whole when it pertains to the hunt. And why is it essential? In your opinion, let's start off with that Chris Cifrio jargon game calls. Why is duck calling considered or should be or has to be or is an essential of the duck hunt? I would have to say the reason why it's so essential is, is because a lot of times the ducks, you know, migrators, traffic ducks, ducks that are basically coming over the top of the timber, uh, you know, in a field when you have snow, ice, wind, all these things will basically make it to where uh, you're not having, they're not keying in on decoys so much as they're keying in on a sound they're keying they're looking for sound they're looking for that's how they find ducks in my opinion the 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 number one way they find ducks is by sound and if you don't have sound you know and you're just going strictly off of decoys you're not going to have as a successful hunt you're not going to have a really good hunt say per se in the timber or like i said when it's snowing it's you know raining uh, ice, you know, you got sleet coming down. They're keying in off sound. And if you can produce a sound, you can start basically sounding like ducks. Uh, you're going to have, again, like a, a lot better hunt. But it's that's why it's so important, especially where I live. It's so important is because of the timber. They're not just keying in off the of decoys. The decoys is the finishing touch on basically getting the ducks to commit, in my opinion. They don't see them. They're not basically, you know, looking for decoys over the top of the timber, looking for real ducks over the top of the timber. They're listening for sound. They're listening for audio. They're listening for basically that mallard hen to be sounding off, and they're looking for company. And so, you know, where I live, it's very important to be basically uh, very, very fluid on a duck call, very, you know, uh, to perfection on a duck call to where you are trying to sound like a raft of birds on the water. Well, what about Nebraska? You just mentioned the snow, snow in a field, or your your theory is that the essential part of the duck call even plays true in that instance. That if they come over that cornfield and they might be migrating, you're saying, or they're in that area, the water hasn't frozen, they think they can still get the food. You think that they're going to key in more on sound than they are on the visual aspect of a bunch of decoys out on a snow covered field. Yes, because I, I think sound is what makes them, it comforts, a, you know, a flock of ducks. It's just that it's that finishing touch say in open water that comforts them to say, Hey, look, man, this, this sounds right. This looks right. 
I got decoys moving down there. I can see decoys. You know, I don't see any humans around. They're real camouflaged up. But they hear that audio and they're like, hey, look, you know, that's the finishing touch on it. Hey, I, I think this is cool. We can come in. I think it's safe. It's a safe haven. At the end of the day, there's, you know, they're a very weary animal. Curious, but weary. So, in, in say, on a river, if you're not perfectly in line on an X, what they call lines, you know, you're, you're trying to get right on that line. You know, Tony Vandemore told me one day, he says, we get on lines depending on the wind that day. Well, if he happens to get a southwest wind that morning and all of a sudden it switches out of the north, he might be sitting 200 yards from that line. But if he's proficient on a duck call, and which he is, and he can just sit there and lean on it and yell at him, he's going to have a lot better hunt. He's going to pull those ducks off that line. They're going to be like, hey, look, well, there's, there's the party right there. So, you know, you're never going to be, in my opinion, you can do everything perfect in duck hunting. You know, you're setting up your decoys, getting your blind right, brushing it right, getting hid, wearing the best camouflage, you know, trying to be quiet, you know, shooting the best shotgun shells. You can do all that stuff, but unless you basically can reach out and touch them and make them do what they don't want to do by working a duck call, uh, you're not going to have a successful hunt as a successful hunt. Like I said, there's everybody knows what the X is. You get on the X, they're coming in. You got birds that's been staging in that area. No problem. Yeah, you're probably going to gonna kill them and you're going to kill them good. But it's when you're not on the X. Not every day of the season. You know, I hunt 50, 55 days of the season. And you probably hunt 100 days of the season, 120 days of the season, because I know you'll have an extended season. But out of those days, how many days can you sit there and tell me that you've been right smack dab on the X? Probably 10 uh, out of the 100. Yeah, I'd say 10% of the time. I mean, unless yeah. you're, I mean, goose hunting, you're a little bit different than that. Duck hunting, a lot less. Goose hunting, my odds go up a little more during the season of getting right on the X for Canada geese. Right. Um, I think I'm, an, I'm, I'm not trying to sell this stuff, but I'm going to need some energy for this conversation because I, I have some argumentative <laughs> points because now you said some things to where I'm like, Every time I get around you, I want to argue. You like make people want to argue with you when you talk to them. Either preseason, off season, during the season. I'm talking like during the actual hunt. You just have this knack of making me like go right into I considered myself a pretty good high schooler when I was playing sports, but I think I would have been more suited for speech and debate, and that's what we're getting ready to start. Today's speech and debate <laughs> forum. Between Chris Cifrio of Jarring Game Calls and Chad Building of the Foul Life, a little bit of Jarring Game Calls and Banded Brands is brought to you by Mountain Ops. This stuff's called Blaze. Look it up, Chris. You energy, actually drank a fat drink burn, from the drink of the Blaze drinks, the energy drinks, the shots are awesome. But Mountain Ops, Salt Lake City, Utah, the Harbison Brothers up there, check them out, what they are doing. I love them. And I just looked at it and I'm like, I'm going to need a little extra energy, a little boost for this conversation because... I ain't going out like that, like Elton John used to say in a song. I ain't going out like that. Give me a second, I, please. I Take saw a yawn coming out just a second ago, so I figured. Hey, man, I haven't stopped since season, dude. You, you and Ashley been sleeping until noon after you hit that drive-thru. <laughs> I'm, I'm quarantined working. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to tell me that besides the X, or obviously you have to be in an area where there's ducks. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're, the tone of your voice is telling me, the bias in your voice is telling me that this 
apparatus right here. Do you see that J on there? You see that? That's a, one of the duck calls that you designed. That's called the chit chat in case you forgot. It mm-hmm. says chit chat down here in the blackout. Man, how ducky is that? I've been working on my presentation of my air, dude. Oh, I'm not kidding. Like, unbelievable. Like, I'm getting okay. Okay, wait, flat quack, listen. Oh, pure duck, clean duck, just clean. But you're going to tell me that this apparatus right here, the bias in your voice is telling me that besides being in an area where there are ducks, and by the bias in your voice, it sounds like there doesn't even need to be that many. Chris Sifriel just needs a couple to bring more. You're going to tell me that the duck call is the most important part of the essential series that I've been going over on these podcasts, more so than camouflage and concealment and the gun that you kill them with. This is what actually kills them. This is what actually hides us because we can hide behind our voice. We can hide behind our words. That's cowardly kind of, but we can hide behind our words when we're talking about hide. Do we just come up with a new theme of ducks? Hide behind your words. Oh, you follow? Like that's just as camel- almost as good as uh, what's the one in the timber? Uh, what did I say? The one in the timber last year, year before. If you can't remember it, it wasn't that strong, uh, dude. You better have tim- it. That's what timber hunters do. Oh, that's what timber hunters do. <laughs> yeah, but this one goes with jargon. Hide behind your words. Like you could be standing out there in a freaking rainbow colored suit and kill them with the jargon. Cause we sound just like ducks, dude. I like that. Hide behind your words. That's good. It really is. And you could have all these words stacked up and like in a tree, like flat quack, comeback, greeter, clean duck. Or you could be like hide behind your quack. No, hide behind your words. Because jargon is words. True. Is that what I said? Hide behind your words? Yeah, Yeah, but ducks don't speak words, though. Yes, they do. They have their own jargon. This right here, (laughs) that means Chris and I just got an extra whopper. (laughs) That's an inside joke. I hate podcasts that have inside jokes. I always tease Chris because he loves fast food. It's not whoppers, though. It's Big Macs. It's Big Macs. Okay, and so I'd rather Whopper over Big Mac. Hide. You'd rather have a Whopper over a Big Mac? Absolutely. Hide behind your words. Dude, that's like a double meaning because in America, in, in, in society, you don't want to be that guy, person that hides behind their words, right? You want to be out no. there and, and able to say it in front of people, not just backstab somebody or say it on the internet with keyboard muscle. You suck at duck calling, man. And then the name is like Arkansas Timber Rat Monkey River Rat da 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 right? And they you never know who they are, but hide behind your words. That's like saying this this duck call helps you hide because it's I don't know. We'll figure that part out. So, but you're going to tell me that this apparatus right here, this duck call, is the most important essential on that list I named in the front. Besides being in an area where there's ducks, I've seen multiple occasions. Well. More, more than I can possibly imagine that it's times that I've been in the woods that I don't have everything set up right or I've been in the field, but you can blow the heck out of a duck call and you can get them within shooting distance pretty darn quick and pretty proficiently. 
So I would say, yeah, you know, you can, you can hide. And if you're sounding like birds in the water, yeah, there's been times where you get stale ducks to where they come in there and they know the area, they done picked you out. They know exactly where blinds are and everything else. But if you're hunting new birds, you're hunting traffic, which I like to do. I don't like to hunt stale ducks, which nobody does, but I don't like to hunt ducks that are just, I like to move and keep on moving and keep on moving down the river or down wherever it might be. I think a duck call is the most, you know, essential thing that you need to have in your bag or with you when you go on a duck hunt. I, I can't believe there's, you know, I've always said when I was growing up, I never felt like I was a really, you know, proficient, good duck hunter until I learned how to blow a duck call. And I'm still average on a duck call. What? But, I just sent yeah. you a text. Read that text real quick that I just sent you. You can read it out loud. Let's see. <laughs> Did I eat paint chips as a kid? <laughs> Dude, are you high or what right now? Uh, can you hear what you're saying? You just said uh-uh. you just said that you believe the duck call is the most important part of the essential series of duck hunting, more so than the hide, the scouting, the Absolutely. Wow. I, okay, I'm ready to get into this. Did you I don't know. I see power lines out the window right there. I'm thinking you might live under power lines or something because you got some screws loose, dude. There's not going to be a person in the world that listens to this that agrees with you, but I'll I'll entertain it. Go ahead. Continue with the go on with the chlorophyll. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't, th- so let me, uh, let's just put it this way. Deer hunting. Do you think the most essential thing in deer hunting is a blind and your camouflage? No. It's not the call. No, it's not the call. It's not the call. But what Mer- I'm saying is, Mer- what, I'm, what I'm going back to is, is that with duck hunting, okay, you can go lay on a levee. You could wear, uh, you know, orange, an orange jumpsuit. And sit there and call well, ducks in. Why are you wearing that real tree then? Well, because for one thing, it looks good and helps out. I mean, it's 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 a benefit in duck hunting. I mean, it is a extreme benefit. It's it's gonna it's gonna help my hunt. It's gonna camouflage me better than it would with me in an orange jumpsuit. Of course, I'd stick out like a sore thumb. But it's putting all the gradients together. I'm not saying the camouflage doesn't is not an attribute to hunting. I'm not saying that the blinds not an attribute. I'm not saying that a boats and motors and shotgun shells are not attributes to duck hunting but i would say that just say this take this away completely take the call away completely how successful do you think duck hunters are and take the x away yes anybody can go sit on x and you can kill ducks you know you still got to be a good shot you still got to you know you know, get them in close and so forth. Cause there's been times where you find them. Hey, we found them this past year in prayer wings and we had, you know, okay hunt. Then it got a good hunt, a really good hunt, then a really, really good hunt. So what I'm saying is, is that, you know, there's times that if you didn't have a duck call, most times, more, more times than other, you're not going to kill them. You're not going to get them close. I can recall off one day this year that it was the first day of the first cold front that came through and we went and set up on a, basically a a river hole. Um, you know, there was current in there. We put our decoys out. You couldn't see our decoys until they got below the tree line. But we yell, we have seven good callers in there and we yell and just constantly stayed on. I'm talking about skyscraping ducks. 
and you would see them break down and they'd start slowly coming down and they'd go past you and you'd hit them again. And then they'd turn around and they'd come in and they'd get lower and lower and lower. Those ducks did not want to be there. Well, they weren't rafting in there when y'all went in there to hunt. Why'd y'all go no. in there to hunt? Hunting traffic. There was all the birds that were in there had left out. And we said, hey, let's just go give it a shot. And I knew a spot where the, there was a line that they went from a refuge to a refuge. And we got underneath that line. We weren't perfectly on it. We were probably about, you know, 200 yards off of it north. But we could yell at those birds and the wind was blowing out of the north. And so when we yelled at those birds, you wouldn't believe it. But you're thinking that that's what's so cool, killer about that small talk and loud mouth is that, which I mean, I was blowing the small talk that day. We could, everybody was blowing it and we could lean on it. And it's that, it's got a certain, you know, pitch to that call that ducks key in on. And everybody in the group said that after we got done with the hunt, because if we wouldn't have had calls, if we wouldn't have been, been blowing a small talks that day, we wouldn't have killed ducks. You're saying that the actual sound of the actual apparatus now, now we even took it a step further. <laughs> wow. The, wow. The this guy. <laughs> this, this guy. guy. <laughs> so now not only is the duck call become the most important part of that hunt, even though you wouldn't have got out there without a boat and you you wouldn't be standing up there if it wasn't for the waders you have in on you True. you're warm because of the clothes you have on you but, but i now, could be standing out there without waders you did my what? dad used to hunt in blue jeans and tennis shoes when yeah, i got and back you used to, to hunt truck. without a call too no yeah a lot of old timers will tell you you don't need a duck call my uncle mel he tried to introduce me to can goose hunt growing up and he did and we killed him but every time i pull my call out he go you want to go back to the truck blow that thing I'd be like, what? Isn't this what you're supposed to do? Uh, you're not allowed to blow a call. And I'm like, but geese call. Arr, arr, arr. And I could do that on one of them big river flutes. I'd get down. Arr, 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 arr. I'd wear them out to the point, pissed them off so bad he wouldn't let me hunt with them anymore. So I said, I ain't going to go waterfowl hunting unless I can call. So the call is very important. But you're going to tell me that it's more important now than the waders in the boat. And I, I, I like it. I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Kinda. I'm not quite there yet, but again, my brain works on a different frequency than, than yours does. Like it's way different when it comes to duck calling. You think on a different level of duck calling than I do. So then you also said a remark a couple minutes ago that you're only average on a duck call, which is absolute BS. And we know that. So we'll just squash that right now. Put your face up to the camera like that. I want to see that hat closer. Look at this hat, guys. This, now look at me. Look up at the screen. That's me punching you in the face for saying stupid things. You don't say that. I know how proficient you are on a duck call. But now you're going to tell me that that now the actual call, the model, now is this biased because you own jargon? Or is this a legit statement that your buddies, are they just saying that because they know it's your turn to buy Big Macs that day? Or are you, nope. are they really being transparent and honest with you? Is like that sound of that call is what is killing these ducks today. It's hand just sanitizer. like. Get some hand sanitizer, yeah, Chris. We keep it a little bit right here. <laughs> I've been, dude, I've been put, going through a Why bottle Why are you putting hand sanitizer right now? Because I touched the who, duck who call. Who came in there? Huh? Uh, oh, dude, I'm just being. But you blew the duck call. Uh, huh? But you blew it. I know. Huh. Cleaning up, buddy. People should, <laughs> That's what you've need, been taking baths with. Huh? One thing we hand need to sanitizer. take out of this, one thing we need to take out of this quarantine is Clean wash our hands more, clean up oh, more, yeah. personal hygiene. 
Yep. You know them I people agree. that got BO and they don't know they have BO, but they don't care that the whole world knows that they got BO and you breathe in through your nose and you're just like ready to dry heave and they're just going about their business like, hey, life's perfect. And I'm like, no, you stink, dude. Wash your pits, put on some right guard, smell yourself once in a while. You know, like what I'm saying, like take care of yourself. There's a That's a responsibility, right? Those are the people that come up to you and they know they should have brushed their teeth that morning, but they're still oh, going to talk to you in the face. Oh, halitosis. Like they, yeah. And they invade your personal space like from 18 inches to four. And you're like, dude, yeah, what are you doing right now? It's like we're in a huddle quarterback. Back up, yeah. Drew Brees. Yeah, we have like the, a rule around here. First thing in the morning, you talk to somebody like this. You talk <laughs> away from them. <laughs> yeah, you don't want them hit it. So now you're going to say that the pitch of the call the sound, the tone, the yeah. quality of the sound of the call. You're going to tell me on this podcast right now, and you're a good Southern Christian. Are you Are you Baptist or Christian? Catholic? Catholic. You're Catholic. You're yeah. a Southern Catholic. You fear the man, right? Absolutely. You're a God-fearing man. You're going to tell me on this podcast that the sound of the small talk or the loudmouth or the jargon call line is different than other call lines out there and all duck calls aren't the same? No, it's definitely different. I mean, there's so many, I changed read materials at one point in time and I can tell you when you change even read material, okay, it will make the pitch sound different. It will make the duck call totally different. We went through that before. We talked about going through the whole roll of a Mylor sheet, when you get in the center, that's the ones I like is in the center. Okay. The ones on the outside are good and they're good for different conditions. They're a little bit stiffer than say the ones in the middle and so forth. But that being said, the reason why I'm bringing that up is, is that like a cutdown call, there's a place for a cutdown call. There's been times where I could sit there and I could lean on a J frame or lean on a small talk or lean on a loud mouth all day long. Okay. But a cutdown call might be something that they want that day. I think the ducks, you have to, that's all about reading ducks and being a good duck hunter is that you really need to read the ducks and give them what they want. If they don't want their decoys all bunched up, spread them out. If they don't want their decoys, basically three or four or five dozen decoys, put a dozen decoys out. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I truly believe that if you want to, you know, get better, you got to be willing to change. And so that day, it, we happened to be able to break them. And I can tell you that it has a different pitch than any other duck call on the market. It's totally different. I'm not just saying that. It's the way it's designed. Let me hear it I didn't go quick. out. There, I didn't go out there and basically uh, and go out there and test a bunch of duck calls. I'll be honest with you. The pitch, I just happened to hit. And after we hunted it and tested it, we realized that we had something special. And is this so, the one? Is this the one that is? If you go home and if a if a burglar was to break into your safe at home, they would find the original tone board that that caused this pitch. Yes. <laughs> Send me the GPS coordinates. <laughs> Send me the GPS coordinates. I have that one locked up. Everybody knows it's called the Brown Money Call. That's what it's called. Can you hear it, Art? Yeah, stand up. Just, yeah, ba ba back off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think the small talk has got a pitch that's. Can you hear this? Yeah, 
you can hear sound files at jargongamecalls.com or all over our Instagram and Facebook. We'll be uploading more. We have a whole instructional series on there. We got more instruction coming. But back to what you're saying now, the 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 pitch of that call in the woods that day, it didn't matter where you were. You could have been in any flooded woods in Arkansas, right? You could have been in the Biomeda. You could have been in the Hurricane. You could have been in Rainy Breaks. You could have been in Big Lake. You could have been anywhere on a WMA. You could have been on private woods. If the ducks aren't in there, the ducks aren't in there. But the chances of seeing ducks in Arkansas at that time of the year, they're pretty good. The chances yep. of seeing ducks during duck season in any given area are pretty good. It's what you do with them. How pressured are they? How well-versed are you? What? How do you think unorthodox or out of the box, right, to, to get their attention? But you're saying that you put yourself in a position to be in a natural environment where ducks could go they have they do have an, in a, an interest level in being in flooded timber maybe not exactly where you were that day or where you guys set up your hunt and your decoys and that little current and all of that right but just seeing them up there in the sky still didn't give you the ability to bring them down into that hole because they look down there they might see a little flash of a decoy but that's still not selling them right they've been there done that they are going somewhere where they know there's a safe haven they're going from refuge to refuge they're going to where they know there's going to be free food and a buffet of it and there's probably not going to be any hunting pressure set up that's your mindset as a duck hunter we're under them we're not on the x but we could run some traffic which is mm -hmm. the funnest thing to do in waterfowl Absolutely. hunting. Um, now you're telling me that because of the, you have a duck call in your hand, you've already upped your odds. But the real essential part of this duck call is the actual design of now we're talking about the small talk that you were using on that given day. The small talk. This is a custom one that we did for the Jack Links company, which we offer that that's good looking logo ain't it yeah it is but now you're saying that not just having a duck call on your lanyard but actually having this specific one you're in no way shape or form saying that if it was jimbo and john stevens in there on a rich and tone they would have done the same thing they're awesome they could have got the same results with their duck call you're saying that an average duck caller that was with you or are you guys all as good as john and jim because they'd have done the same thing with a short barrel you're telling me that you did it because of the pitch of this certain call right here, the, the small talk that you had that day. But you, would you tell me that somebody like John Stevens and Jim Ronquest or, or Rick Dunn at Echo Calls or somebody that's proficient in the woods and have been killing them for years couldn't have got the same results with the call that they're using? Or is that an unfair question to put you on the spot like that because you that's, live in Arkansas? I mean, it's not an unfair question. <sighs> Um, I couldn't go that far because you'd have to basically test that, test that, uh, hypothesis, whatever you want to call it. There's no way that I could say, Hey, yeah, I mean, this is exactly the right reason why, but I can tell you this, that we had duck hunters around us that were blowing. And, and just to go ahead and tell you this spot that we hunted, we never hunted before. We went and looked at it one day. I looked at it really, really hard. And I told a couple of my buddies, I said, hey, look, if we can ever get them down in here, if we can see some ducks, I think we could kill them in here. And then we decided, because we didn't have any other places, we went and scouted, didn't have any other places that was holding any birds. We decided, hey, let, let's go try that, that spot out. And um, went, basically set up, set all the decoys up how I thought they were needed to be set up and kill them. Now, that being said, I couldn't say that, you know, Rick Dunn is – known to go in the woods with six seven good callers 
and break the birds from the heavens. I mean, he's just known about that. You know, he's got DVD after DVD after DVD going on public woods and killing them, just killing the snot out of them. So I can't sit there and say that, you know, they couldn't go on in it. Cause I mean, Jonathan Moore and all those guys, man, they're good on duck calls and, and they know how to read ducks and so forth. I think it was everything in a whole. It was what we were using, you know, the small talk is louder than, than say a J frame that, you know, these other call companies are producing, not a cut down call or anything like that. Cut down call has got a totally different pitch. It's like a wide volume. This one's loud, but it's got like a crack. It's like whenever, whenever it goes off, it cracks. And so I think that's the reason why it was so, you know, yeah. So effective that day is because the small talk, there is nothing that has that high of a pitch because a hail call, a ringing hail or hunting style hail, you know, that'll break birds all day long. Now, cut down calls will too, but it's got a wider or different sound. And normally you can't just, normally you can't just take one cut down caller and go in the woods and just blow one cut down and break birds, even though it's a real, really high volume call. You have to have six, seven, heck, this year it was even, I think they had 20 guys, 25 guys in the woods, you know, blowing cut down calls. And that's bringing some racket. But I think that on different days goes to attributes to different calls. So like, say for instance, on the, on the chit chat, you know, on a day it's real steel, everything's quiet. You don't have to get as loud. So you could probably take this to woods right here. I know you can and kill ducks and break birds. It's just, it's all about on anything else. Just like, say, for instance, this, you're hunting in the timber. Do you need a full choke in the timber? No. But when you go out in open water, you might need a full choke. And it's not because you want to shoot a long distance. Is you want to hold that pattern as tight as you possibly can because you got all the wind and all the variables, you know, going against you. So that's why we wanted to offer different lines of calls. And that's why there is different lines of calls throughout call companies. And our company is, is that on specific days is what you might pick up, you know, later in the season, I don't really need to blow a small talk as much unless I'm hunting traffic. I need, there's the birds are kind of there. They've been hanging out. They pretty much made it down here. They're just bouncing around to different little places. So we call that basically local birds and they'll get stale to your area. So you want to be a little quieter. So you're going to blow a chit chat or you're going to blow this new call we're fixing to come out with. So uh, I think that day it was just the main, ing- the, the main ingredient was the small talk, but it was everything that came together. We had six good, you know, good callers in the timber and, and you don't have to be a proficient caller as long as you're making racket. But with that being said, the goal is to become one because if it you is- have the ideology that my uncle had, we're going to kill them here no matter what kind of attitude that to me is missing a huge component of the hunt. One of the essential part components of the hunt, it is the calling. Now I argue and I play the devil's advocate. I, you understand, or you know how much I love duck calling and how uh, that no hunt in my opinion is going to happen without duck calling. People aren't going to say don't call or, um, you know, leave your calls at home or leave your lanyard in your truck. That stuff's not going to happen on our hunts, no matter where we're at, because it's just such a, it's the audio part of a hunt. It's the, the jargon, the diction, the dictation, the, 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 the a pretty staple. much the, just the whole, yeah, it's a staple, but it's the whole conversing part. It's the negotiation between you and the duck. 
you you can see decoys make them you know they'll look at them and they'll 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 get excited and see them but you never see the reaction in ducks or geese until you see them react to a call when they get hit right and they freeze up and do a turn on a dime or crank that neck or drop those feet or cup those wings or the even the tips of the wings when they get those really tight and you just know oh it's it's about to go down right i had one of prey wings that you hit going away i never forget it i was watching it and you turn around and said did you see that and i said yeah yeah it's almost like it was the first time i ever did it. he broke his neck i mean he literally turned around and come straight back at us he got that pitch he got that what that comfort to say you know what that was birds because he flew over yeah. And he saw the decoys, and we were all chatting to him and everything else. And he went, bah, 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 and he turned around and said, Well, that sounded really real. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got to go check it out. So, uh, and if, that, if part, that, that part of the hunt, that's why it's essential because of that reaction. Because you're not like when you make a good shot on a duck, you turn around and go, Man, did you see that shot? I don't get that a lot because this is going to maybe sound stupid or it might sound the wrong way. And I hope it doesn't come off the wrong way. But you'd have to be a really, really bad shotgun shot to shoot ducks at the distances that we're shooting or to yeah. miss them. If you miss them at the distances or over the decoys like we are, and I'm not saying that we don't miss and I don't want people calling me and say, they said they never, or whatever. I'm saying when we do what we do and we are getting them right for camera and with, with what we feel is our ability that uh, I think that every duck hunter should strive for. It's taken, it takes a lot of practice and patience to do that, but I've had it to where people are yelling at me for not calling the shot. Because I've seen the majesty of when it is right, of yeah. of what it really means when you get them. Well, we shot them, but did you get them? Did you yeah, really have yeah. them? Did you get yeah. them? And I want everybody to know that you can get them and trick them with a call. And you don't get that feeling with a shotgun. Did you see that shot? Well, yeah, but you shouldn't have taken it. It was 60 yards. Who cares if you hit it, right? That That's for a sporting clay, in my opinion. Right. Now, people are going to argue that and say, that's not true. Shotgunning is key and ethical shots are key. But if you get them tight. And you trick them with good sound and good audio and good conversation and great negotiation, and you get them, it's hard to miss them. Now, we got a full choke in the woods, and your and your pattern's not spreading out because you don't have the right efficiency with your shotgun and your and your choke tube and your sights and everything that goes into that with your ammo mixture and your combinations of that. That's on you. <clears throat> you got to be smarter than that. But to get them down in the woods, it's hard to miss them if you have the right tools when they get down there. But you don't, you know what I'm saying? It's not like we get really fired up about shots all the time as a duck hunter. Is that fair to say to where? It is fair to say, because if I, if, if duck hunting did not involve calling, I probably wouldn't do it. No, you couldn't. You just couldn't. I, just, like, I, I love I, eating them. I love eating them. Like, uh, like, I get excited about like this, this new line of like rubs we're working on or salt seasoning salts and and then new traeger recipes and i don't know if you saw today we launched the new traeger app you should look into that it's a strong app um i love that part of it but the vocalizations and i and you know you heard me arguing that that camouflage is important it truly is and realtree is a dear partner of ours and we are very humbled by the partnership that we have with realtree and other companies that build the blinds and the guns and the ammo that's all a huge part of it and you feel so cool and so good walking into the woods with a benelli and know that your backpack's made by bandit and it's legit and you have a black cloud of, of, of some black cloud in there um to use with that benelli i just don't know if I would duck hunt either, if I didn't have calling. And I often wonder about guys that do like, there's a lot of guys that I'm thinking about right now. While we were on this podcast, Joel Wicker called me, Joel Wicker can 
absolutely manhandle mallard ducks. And you know what call he blows now? I never in five years of hunting with that guy until this season. And he is a hard sell. Like Joel will like literally tell yeah, people, I, was, I, I, develop, I develop anxiety when I see Belding's truck pull into Prairie Wings. Like he gets so like out of his element because he hates cameras. He hates the whole idea of all the preparation that it takes and all the extra work because he wants to go in there and hunt. And I get that. Yeah, but as far as calling goes, that dude never ran another call besides his cut down that he homemade. And now he, he's asking for more jargons. No other call that he's put in his hands has made like made him go, man. I'm I'm not I'm not carrying my cut down anymore. I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't carry anymore, but he doesn't use it like he used to. He's no. blowing these jargons, Marty Hesh, jargons. Yeah. I I could tell you to this day, I've watched Marty Hesh destroy ducks, like just manhandle them with the same call, like at, and he goes. Now I'm getting those high ducks to break down. He's using jargon every day. So there's something to be said about that. Like, could I often wonder about people that go into the woods or go into a duck blind and I look at them while I'm calling and I'm like, I wonder if they call on their own hunts and they're just doing this because they don't want to call around me. Cause I'm, I'm average. When I say I'm average duck caller, I'm an average duck caller no. at best. Yes, I am. No. So if you, if I wonder if they're saying, I wonder if they call when they're hunting on their own or if they never call, if they always depend on their buddies call, I ain't going to call because I, I, I you're, you guys are calling, right? Justin Martin said it the other day when he went on his first duck hunt with Phil Robertson and Jace, they had no idea until a couple months later, he even knew how to blow a duck call. They're like, he's like, we got this big order of calls. We need to send them out. He's like, well, they're like, well, we, we can't get done unless we get, he goes, I'll help. Do you even blow a duck call? And he hit it for him. They're like, whoa, why don't you ever call in the blind? Because why would I call with Phil and Jace call and y'all don't need me, Right. I wonder if a lot of people have that attitude or if they call on their own and they're proficient or if they don't want to call because their confidence isn't there when they're around people that they think or deem more proficient on a duck call. You know what I mean? Like you're really good on a duck call, but I'm not going to go on a hunt with you and not call. I feel like I can call with you, but there are a lot of guys that hunt with us that don't call. Yeah. So I wonder if it's an intimidation thing, a confidence thing, or do they just not call at all and the hunt's fine? How could a duck hunt be a duck hunt without breaking them down with a call man you can't understand that there's a lot of people that i run into day in day out that i hunt with and i'm like they they pick up their duck call literally the day before the season are they even they, a lot of them they take their duck call out and they're like man i should have probably put a new cork in it you know this cork's from last year and i'm like you didn't prepare your duck call for the hunt the next morning you hadn't blown your call all year long i mean i blow a call every day every day every day at least a little hit on it, just a little lick <laughs> because I, 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 for one thing, I love to do it, but I want to get better and better and better and better. And the only way that you get better is you can't go out and you can't play baseball. You can't play golf. You can't play any of these sports and expect to just go out and not have practice the whole year and to just go and throw a 60 yard pass, you know, to somebody or, or, or basically throw a 95 you know, uh, mile prior fastball or throw across, you know, uh, the center field and hit home plate. You can't do that. You have to practice with everything you do in life. That's what I was, and there's so many people that I know that don't practice at all. And that's okay because they just, Hey, look, they just want to go out there. I guess have fun. I want to be the best I can possibly be at anything I do. You know, I want to have the best duck calls. I want to make the best duck calls. If I possibly can, not saying they are, I just want to try. I want to strive to do it. You know, if I'm, if I'm going out there, I'm a competitive person. If we're going out there, we're fixing to run a 40 by God, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to beat you. 
you know you'd have to fun. fix like you would have to fix the track or like the the shoes <laughs> what what would need fixed what do you mean fix you said you were fixing to run a 40 so you got to fix like your shoes or oh, your oh, hamstring fixing. uh it's another southern thing huh <laughs> i just don't get it i'm fixing to run a 40 oh uh, you don't what? know what fixing is yeah, I know what fixing is. Like, if this call broke, I could fix it. If this <laughs> bottle broke, I would okay. glue it to fix I'm it. I'm sorry. Nevada, hold on. I'm about, I'm about to. I'm about to. <laughs> I had to break you up right there. No, I, I, I know. Practice is everything. It's like, yep. how can it not be? that? But that goes into the essentials is when, when these things are start, start to become an integral part of your life and you want consistency and success, right? If you want to be consistently successful at duck hunting, you got to work on this stuff, man. You can't write, you can't. Okay. When I was doing a podcast with Matt Pendola, the trainer, you know, the guy that does our training, we'll have a barbecue, right? And we'll be out here and some guys will have a beer in their hand and they'll have a big pot of gumbo or whatever we're cooking that night. Right. And they'll walk up to Matt and go, man, how do you look like that? How I want to, I want to get in the gym and work out on that. Well, I mean, and Matt looks at him and goes, dude, I was here eight months ago and you came up to me and said the same thing. That's what he wants to say to him because it's, yeah. it's that same mindset of like, I want to look like that. I want to be dedicated and committed to being a better yeah. version of myself, but they're not willing to drop the gumbo more often than not and take the beer out of their hands more often than not and go yeah. work out more often than not. That's the difference is like, if you, if you want to write, somebody a message in the duck hunting industry and say i want to i want to become better duck caller i want to be this how do you kill these ducks more often how do you become better how do you work in the industry you can't i don't know how you put it in writing back to them of saying well if you really want to be the best and get the most success out of your hunt <clears throat> maybe start here start to see the little things in a hunt what are you deeming essential for your hunt do you want good memories you want good time with your dad and your grandpa? Do you want to be best friends with your dog? Do you want to get somebody new introduced to the sport? You got to know your why. So just as Matt Pandola would break it down in training or, or me going to the gym, what am I training for? Am I trying to be an NFL linebacker? No. So I got to know my why. I don't want to look bad on TV because I'm really anal about my aesthetics and I'm vain as shit. I don't want to feel bad when I hunt. Well, you're a duck hunter. You can be fat and eat biscuits gravy. No, I want my ligaments and my joints. I want everything to feel good. When I hop up out of the blind, I want to be strong. I want to run out there, get the ducks with the dog, run back and not be hyperventilating when I need to put my call to my mouth and get the next notes out. I want to sound real. You can't sound real if you're huffing and puffing and, and hyperventilating. If your knees hurt from going up and down in a blind all the time, that's on you. You might be carrying too much weight. So I have been been there through my hunting career. So I said, what is my why? I want to be better. So Matt trains me for what I do. I'm not trying to make it in the major leagues anymore. I can't. I, I'm 45 years old. No, just even though that I can hit bombs, like bomb, like big bombs. You throw me a fastball in the inner half right now, it's I'm losing it somewhere over the highway. That's a joke. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that I'm not training for that. I'm training to be a duck hunter. I'm training to right. carry my daughter around in a swimming pool and be able to keep up with her. Know your why. So if you want to get on the internet and, 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 and ask a question, I want to be the, I want to do what you do in life. What is your why? Why do you want to do it? Do you want to get in it? Cause you want to be on TV. Do you want to make a living doing it? Do you want to make a good living? 
Not every country music star in the world makes the living that Garth Brooks does, but can you make a living? Can you sell out enough shows throughout the year around the country to make a good amount of living to pay your bills and pay, you know, to take care of your family and be a provider, pay your band, pay all of your roadies and your crew that sets up the stage every night? Is there a profit in it? Or are you just out there because you think your songs are good and you want people to hear them, but you're really not making a living at it? Like there's difference in that. What is your why? You might be a loaded millionaire that just goes out and plays for fun around 30 people and they love your music, but you have no intention of ever making it big. What is your why? If you want to consistently see success in the duck blind or the, you know, the goose field or just the waterfowling in general, you have to work at it nonstop period. It does not happen overnight. When people look at John Stevens or Jim Ronquest or Rick Dunn on TV and DVDs, that is not because they are hunting high fence ducks. They're on the best spot in the world. They consistently get results because they've dedicated their, their life to their craft. You don't get success like John Stevens or Fred Zink or these guys have gotten or won the accolades that Hunter Grounds or Kelly Powers or Field Hudden all have on stage and that transpires and transforms into the field, transitions into the field and hunting. You don't get that unless you dedicate a huge amount of time to it. You can't pick up your call one time a year and think you're going to be as proficient as Chris Cifrio that's blowing a duck call every day. That's just like a guitar. My brother plays guitar every day. Brent Cobb plays guitar. I'd be stupid to think I could pick up a guitar and do what they do just because I think I remember it or Slash plays the guitar every day and he's the best in the world. You can't just do it. Be You can't forget it. Your muscle memory will be gone. The dexterity in your tongue will be gone. You'll be, it'll, right you'll lose no. it. That's why you work out. Your, your biceps look okay because they remembered that position. That muscle starts to gain memory. Once you quit working out, it loses that memory and, you, and it turns the flab. Then you work out again. Oh, I, oh man, this feel. I start to re- wait. I recognize this. Wait, now I remember this. And now you start to get a little vein vascularity going. It's all muscle memory. Your tongue has to be put in those positions constantly to get it. You can't just pick up a call and go, I'm a double cut feet chuckle. Most guys go, and they twirl their tongue like that. That's not a double cut feed chuggle. That's not a chatter, right? That's not realistic. Everything so, physical, everything physically that you're going to try to do in this world that you're going to repeatedly do is muscle memory. Cooking. You go outside and you go to cook on the grill, right? Right. All those go together of how you flip the burger, how you pull the burger off, when you're going to pull the burger, all those muscle memory of figuring out exactly what to do in my opinion, changing a tire. You got a guy that changed tires for a living. He can be able to change a tire way quicker than you can and pit, more efficiently. Pit cruising NASCAR. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing with duck calling is, is it's muscle memory, like you said. And if you can build that muscle memory throughout the year, you're going to lick after lick after lick. You're not going to cut out the call. You're not going to get that squeaky note. You're going to get a better feed call. And you are going to start extending your vocabulary. If we sit here and we talk constantly, the, the be- biggest you know host as far as talk show host in the world, talk, say all these different so words. And the reason why they're able so to pron- pronunciate so well is because constantly it's that muscle memory, their cheeks, their bones, everything. So it's so true uh, because, because, and I, and I'm not cutting you off. I want you to continue that, but podcasting and having these two hours, I'm doing five, six podcasts a week. I'm talking to you. Arkansas dialect. I talked to Brent Cobb, Georgia. I talked to guys in Washington, D.C. I talked to guys in California. I talked to guys in Montana. I talked to guys in Europe. You start to hear that. You start to realize like muscle memory. When I'm talking to Chris or I'm talking to, I'm saying y'all more, when I'm talking to Terry Demon the other day, I'm talking like he talks and not just picking up on their dialect and my muscle memory kicking in. I find myself 
pronouncing words better. I can speak clear, even though I speak fast. I know when to slow down more. I know when to pronunciate more. I know when to enunciate more. I know when to put more emphasis on something when I want to show excitement. I'm using better words in, in different places. Sometimes I mess them up, but I'm feeling more confident in my vocabulary because not only am I hearing it on a daily basis, I'm practicing it more through podcasting, through TV, through speaking engagements, through delivery, through videos and short little short form videos for Instagram or social media, right? The more you do it, the better you get at it. But you can't just go, I'm going to go podcast because I have a microphone and, and say, everybody's going to listen to me. And then, and then wake up the next day and go, man, nobody downloaded my podcast. Because it doesn't happen overnight. It's building yep. a brand. It's building yourself up. It's building the confidence to come on here and say, people are going to cut us down and say, Oh, they didn't have their audio right and the call sound like shit or, you know, they, they, he said something that, that didn't make any sense at all. Well, that's the chance you take when you're putting yourself out there, but you can't do it or get it out there. Everybody thinks Joe Rogan started podcasting in the last couple of years because it's got so famous for him. Joe Rogan's on like episode 1500, season 13. The dude is a stud at it. And he deserves every bit of his success because he's worked his butt off and he studied it. He's, he's, he, he saw how Tom Green was doing things with call-ins and remotes and, and, and things like that. And he studied it and he launches his podcast and he kicks ass at it. The first one he did was like in a little kitchen. So all I'm saying is that muscle memory and, and, and confidence and practice. And, and when you, when you go online and you write a question like, Hey man, I want to be a jargon pro staffer. I want to be a rich and tone pro staffer. I got this video camera and I'm filming my hunts. Just understand that if you get told no, or if you don't get the results or the answer back that you expected, right? If your expectations are not met with the response you get, don't think of it as anything that is against you or that you don't have what it takes. It's just that you can't just pick up a duck call or a camera. We, the enthusiasm's awesome, but to get the results, you have to apply yourself. So before you send that message, put together a, a, an example, show us something that you can do like a better version of yourself, a better version of video. Is there a better theme? Is there a better story? What story are you telling? How does your duck call sound? Are you, are you showing compassion towards the animals and hunting them for the right reasons? Are you going to show me a good recipe? Are you going to show me the look on your dog's face or your daughter's face when she kills her first canvas back or her first green wing teal? Show me something that is making a better version of it and show me that you, that you're going to continue to evolve and grow and not just be somebody else that goes, I want to be a pro star for company. I, I'm not saying don't do that because you have to start everywhere. I'm just saying that there's a better way to do it. There's a better way to get better at duck calling. There's, there's more ample content out there than ever before. So none of us have the excuse not to be good at it. It just takes consistent practice, but practice with good technique. It's quality practice sessions, right? It's knowing that the other day I grabbed my chit chat and in a truck with the window down, all I was doing was practicing all of the different ducks that you do with, with the, you know, with the clear and the rasp and the boss and all that. I was really getting my tongue in different positions and presenting my air in different ways to, from my throat to my mouth cavity and using the fatty tissues in my mouth. And at 45 years old, after I don't know how many times of being on stage in Stuttgart, at least three and getting destroyed and, and, and going into meat calling contests and goose calling contests after goose calling contests, hunt after hunt, after trip, after trip, I'm still obsessed with making a better version of my duck calling and going, Oh wow. That's how Chris gets that. I'm not, I'm not pushing as hard. I'm not 
being as aggressive. I'm pumping the brakes. I'm backing off of it. I'm controlling my hot air a little bit more in this instance. And I'm getting a completely new duck that I know because I've recorded it and I sound back. I'm like, man, that sounds ducky. A, d- a duck that I've never had before. So there, right there is a way to go into this coming season and go, I'm going to have a new duck. I got another duck. I'm going to kill him with another duck. They're going to think that I'm really, really real now. That's the way my mind is thinking. That's why a duck call is essential, right? Yep. That's exactly right. And you keyed in on it. I have to touch on something that you said as far as you said that, you know, somebody might come on here and not agree with what we're saying and, you know, what we're talking about. But the thing about it is, is what would the world be without somebody not agreeing with you? There would be no conversation. If everybody was like, hey, look, everybody agreed on everything everybody said. What kind of world, what kind of boring world would we be in? I mean, seriously, it'd be boring. That's what but, it's com- That's what makes conversation. Is I think, I think, me- I think, I think what I meant more of it though, is like, I don't listen to somebody's podcast and be like, I'm going to go write them a note to tell them how bad they suck or that, that they need to work on this, right? Yeah. To each their own. I'm yeah. just simply saying that I've seen it. Like it's easy to get on and hate. And to me, that's different than having constructive criticism. I will take constructive criticism, but if you come on to something and say, that that podcast was shit or yeah. that recipe you showed was shit that that sucks you don't do that with chicken you idiot like that totally yeah. right there 100% will get no reaction ears turned off don't care what you think because yeah. if you to come on and said man that's really cool that you do it that way but did you ever think my grandma showed me this one time if you take a beer can you stick it up a chicken you put it on a barbecue and you puck, you put all this dry rub on there and it you, it's called the puck puck chuck chuck chicken i'm like wow man your grandma tell you that now I'm like, wow, you're making a better version of me. You're like, you got my interest. You have the right way to approach me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good jargon right there or the right way to do it. But if you come on as a hater and you're like, you guys suck at duck calling and you talk shit about Rick Dunn. No, we didn't. Rick Dunn's a hero of ours. So is John Stevens. So is Jimbo. Mm-hmm. We're not talking shit. I'm just simply saying like, could they do what Chris did in the woods that day with the rich? Stone? I believe they could. I think they're oh, that yeah. proficient and they're that good at what they do. A lot of duck hunters in Arkansas could have did what you did that day. We're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. You're simply saying that the sound of that call had them that day and it got them. We got yeah. them because of the, the, the small talk. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, but for somebody to come on and hate on that <clears throat> is where I have an issue because I've never once DM'd Jerry Seinfeld and said, everybody told me your show was funny and it didn't even make me grin. It sucked. Okay. I would never say that to Jerry Seinfeld, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the Seinfeld TV show. I was more of a, I'm, I'm more of a fan of different comedy. That's not, that's just my idea. I would never tell anybody in the world. Jerry Seinfeld's not funny because he's a genius in comedy. He's a billionaire off a comedy. So who am I to say he didn't, he just didn't make me laugh. But I would never DM him and belittle him because of his style of comedy. I just w- couldn't do it. I just that I, I just that's a weird mindset to me to go online and beat somebody up just because they're doing something different or having the confidence to do it, which is a big step. So I yeah, think I was that, just talking about as far as an opinion, like you know, everybody's going to have an opinion. You're not going to agree with everybody, everything that everybody says. Like no. I love, Trump, I love Trump to death. I love Donald Trump to death. He's a great president. I think he's doing a great job, but there's some things in his past. I don't agree with. There's some things he says every once in a while. I don't agree with, but now there's no way that I'm gonna be a hundred percent. My wife, I'm married to my wife, you know, careful. There, we don't know. We don't agree on everything, but if careful. we did agree on every, how boring would that be? 
that's why arguments I mean, and fighting and as long as it doesn't get out of hand, it's healthy. Yeah, you got to keep the that it blood. Is. It's 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 not a bad thing. We're humans. We're mother nature. We're competitive. We're argumentative. We stand on it. We might. I don't want to be a know it all. I don't want to no. be. I don't want to get on a soapbox. I want to accept people for what they are. I can tell a Democrat by the way they drive. I've always said that. I can I can watch you drive and tell you what your political affiliation is. That's not a insult. I don't care if you're Democrat or not. Some of my best friends are guys that have been on this in, on this show or on TV with me. They're Democrats. They hunt, but they're still they they're not really you know liberals or you know bleeding heart. But yeah. they're they're they don't see eye to eye with me on everything. And I think that part of life and the maturity process is being able to accept people, bring them in, hear their points of view, and still be yeah. buddies and be able to toast them and 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 still be able to have a good conversation full of jargon. I'm going to learn something from a Democrat. There's been a ton of great leaders that were Democratic. It doesn't matter. I think Donald Trump is a great leader. At one time, he was a registered Democrat. Yeah. You follow? Mike yeah. Bloomberg was a, re a registered Republican, and he just ran on the Democratic ticket to try to take Trump down. And they were friends. They've had many business meetings. It's just, that's politics. You don't, yeah. according to Sammy Kershaw, you don't talk about politics religion yeah, or her. and right. just now you talked to, we've talked right. about all three of them today. you just talked about your wife we talked about I your did. catholicism and we talked about trump knock it off dude <laughs> let's talk about baseball let's talk about nascar remember that song by sammy oh yeah oh yeah so anyway um um i think that I just I just got a, a text about duck calling. It's unbelievable. Like people like what's that called? Deja vu not, but it's like you read some people can tell that I'm doing this. They didn't even know I was talking about duck calling. It's so weird, dude. Today I was on the phone talking to my business manager about a company called Deck that makes those drawer systems in our truck. They're badass. While I'm on the phone with her, the other line rings and I re, I look over, I look at my phone. It's the marketing manager for Deck calling me from Idaho. I'm like, what is going on here? That's just weird, isn't it? That's just weird. Like they, it's like somebody's watching you, which they are. They are these drones and all these security systems. Somebody's no, watching us. I know so, they are because I'll sit there and talk about something, and then all of a sudden it'll pop them on my phone. It's weird, ain't it? Yeah. The essentials of duck hunting, jargon, duck calling. Check them out at jargongamecalls.com. We're going to have many more episodes, <coughs> excuse me, of the Foul Life Podcast with Chris Cifrio, my partner in jargon, co-founder. <coughs> Sorry about that. My allergies are killing me. It is not the coronavirus. Please don't cut right in. He coughed. He coughed. Isn't it unreal that you can't sneeze or cough anymore? That little meme that says they used to say, God bless you. Now they look at you like... You kidding me? You just you just sneezed like you're you're like a mass murderer, like Charles Manson. If you sneeze now, it's our society's changing little by little. But we're gonna have several episodes with Chris Cifrio coming up. He is a genius duck call designer and duck caller. Thank you for your knowledge. The essentials of duck hunting: the duck call, the jargon, the language, the vocabulary, the mallard duck, the puddle duck, the diver duck. Get with it. Practice. Make a better version of yourself and your duck calling and the way that you get after him. That name right there. Jargon. Can you read that, Chris? Yep. Looks Did good. you like it when I named it that? Did you, was that one good thing I brought to the table? Yeah, that was awesome. Wait, before we get off here, we got two new calls coming out. We're launching them this week. Show them to me. You got them there? You got one of them there? Oh, here it goes. Wait, Let's drum roll. Look at the live duck. Hold on a second. Let me get a little video of that. Oh, buddy. That's Chris Cifrio. My partner in Jargon, founder of Jargon. That's the new live duck. Hold it down a little bit, Chris. A little bit more. Look at that thing. Hold it back a little bit from the camera. Look at that. 
launching soon. We have one other one we're not going to tell you about today, but launching two new calls this week at jargongamecalls.com. That is a J-Frame Series live duck. Chris, what's significant about the live duck? Lines, loud as far as it, it's not as loud as the small talk, but it's got like it's got a different sound, totally different sound. Uh, it's got a lot more uh, just whiny, squealy, uh, has a good, good bottom end on it, powerful on top, uh, just overall got a lot more hold. A lot of hold in that call. The new live duck by Jargon will be announced in the. The other call that we're launching very soon, that's Chris Cifrio, Jargon Game Calls. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This episode, again, was brought to you by our friends at Gerber Knives, Jargon Game Calls. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us. Look for the new live duck on jargongamecalls.com. We will be in dealers around the country this year. We can't wait to announce that going into the late summer, early fall. We love it. We love the idea of the essentials of duck hunting and becoming better. Nobody knows it all. We can't figure these things out. They're so smart when their brains are the size of a peanut. They trick us. We merely exist in a duck's world. That's why we have that on our trailers and trucks. I truly feel that mallard ducks control my world. I love my daughter. I love my mom. I love my dad, even though he is up in heaven. I love my brothers. I love my community, my friends, everything. But my mind is 100% most of the time thinking about that little green-headed thing we call a mallard duck. It's essential to become the best duck hunter we can be the best conservationist the best naturalist the best provider we want to provide we want to get them close we want to be ethical we want to dispatch them and harvest them with ethics no cripples we want our badass trained duck dogs like chris cifrio's lexi to run out bring them back put them on the strap take take the breast meat off pluck them with the fat on render them and put them on the table for your friends and family as a bounty for everybody to enjoy be a provider learn the essentials of duck hunting JargonGameCalls.com. Look at the small talk, the loud mouth, the icebreaker, and now the chit chat and the live duck. One more coming this week. We're proud of them. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. This has been another episode, like I said before, the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing. There's Lexi right there. Hey. <laughs> hey, Lexi. Oh, she's so cute. You liking that Yukonuba? Love you, Lexi. <laughs> All right, Tom, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. That's another essential episode, the duck call, vocalizations, the jargon of the mallard duck. Chris Cifrio, thank you. Any closing words? Uh, no, just remember muscle memory. Muscle memory. Muscle and, the, memory. and the golden arches. Like getting decoyed into mallard ducks. Decoys, Chris gets decoyed into that parking lot because them, he sees them golden arches and it comes. This just this aura comes over you, right? Like sesame seed bun, two pickles. I can't remember that song that Mary Lou used to sing on the commercial. I haven't eaten any fast food since all this stuff. Atta baby. Stay strong, man. Mix up a shake. I'm going to get one right now. Chris Cifrio, Jargon Game Calls. Thank you all for joining us again. This is 2AM Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Life.